0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad you're with us here today. Those of you online, uh, those of you in person, uh, especially if it's your first time, welcome. Game changers. The steam train for travel, Sputnik for satellite, the remote control for marital harmony, and the internet for basically everything else. Game changers a new factor that changes the variables in an environment in a significant way. Game changer. For not by might does one prevail. For not by might does one prevail. We're on our final week uh, looking at the good life, how four qualities that we all want, classically the four cardinal virtues, wisdom, justice, self-control, and fortitude, can give us a good life. Not an easy one, but one that can satisfy. Quality number four, fortitude, strength. Who doesn't want to be strong? Not in the physical sense, while that does come in handy, but in the emotional and psychological sense. Who didn't feel defeated at some point during all the lockdowns? Who doesn't want to be strong in the face of the addiction? Career opportunities you want to grasp, dementia in your parents, the rent you can't afford, or the immigration process in Canada. Life is hard. People have pain. And even if life is feeling pretty good right now, I'm glad. The pain, uh, the hardness, it will come. And while the four qualities are not uniquely Christian, followers of Jesus experience the power of these virtues in some startling ways, with strength really being a game changer. As the Israelite woman Hannah prayed all those years ago, for not by might does one prevail. So let's look at Hannah's pain, then what her strength looked like, and what strength can look like for us, in the face of the hardships of life. So Hannah's pain. Well, to start with, uh, she lived in Israel in around the 11th century BCE, and she was in a polygamous marriage. Her husband Elkanah had another wife, Peninnah, and to make matters worse, Peninnah had children, and she relentlessly taunted the childless Hannah. Elkanah assured Hannah that he loved her best of all. But Hannah was still desperately unhappy. Childlessness was a terrible affliction in the ancient world. And while, of course, it can be a great emotional pain today for people, in the ancient world, it was even worse because your economic security was directly linked to the number of children that you had. They were your labor force. And since only 4 out of 10 children grew to adulthood, and there was no social safety net, you could starve to death in old age if you had no children. Having lots of children was literally a matter of life and death. Emotional and physical pain. And in ancient cultures, you were worthless. You were a disgrace if you were childless. And so unsurprisingly, women made children their idols. And an idol is any good thing. Children are a good thing. But an idol is some good thing that becomes an ultimate thing. The thing that's at the white hot center of your life. Where we find our purpose and our strength. Now listen, it's really easy to throw stones at other cultures, right? To point to the ancient world and say how oppressive it was for women, or how 22-year-old Masa Amini was arrested in Iran last week for unsuitable attire and died in police custody. But as a mother of three girls, I see oppression for women all over our contemporary culture. It's just more subtle and socially acceptable right? Be beautiful, be sexy and skinny to the standards of Instagram and porn, raise wonderful children and succeed at your career. Every culture puts something in front of men and in front of women and says, this is what will make you happy. This is what will get you through tough times, be it investments, friends, family, looks, take your pick. Every culture is oppressive in its own way. Every culture tells us to get our strength from somewhere. Penina, Elkanah's other wife, represents the culture that says, your way to make it through hard times, your strength, it's gonna be from your children. Elkanah, Hannah's husband, represents the culture that says, find your strength, find your hope, through love, through romance, in your partner. And the problem with idols, right, good things like partners and children, when they become an ultimate thing, is that they can enslave us. Tyler talked powerfully about this problem last week when looking at the virtue of self-control. Have a listen on YouTube if you missed it. And if we let these good things become idols, our ultimate thing to give us strength, they can crush us because they will always demand more from us than we can give, and they can be taken away from us in an instant, right? All you need to do is get that text or that email, and our health, our children, our jobs, they're gone. Every culture offers us idols to oppress us, and Hannah was crushed, crying out to God. And eventually, God gave her the longed-for son, who grew up to be the prophet Samuel, who anointed a shepherd boy named David, who became Israel's greatest king and ancestor to Jesus. So that was her pain, and it's it's real. But how did Hannah prevail in the midst of that pain? Well, it's a bit shocking, really, and I say this as a mother. Hannah decided to dedicate young Samuel to grow up as a priest In the house of God in Shiloh, which is like the modern-day West Bank. Samuel was now not going to be an emotional support to his mother. He wasn't going to be an economic support to his mother. All the physical and emotional reasons for having children, like they were going to be gone. Why did Hannah do this? Why why was she able to do this? My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. Hannah prayed. Something, something had shifted in this mother's heart. This longed-for child was no longer going to be a means to an end for Hannah, right? For her emotional strength and comfort, for her physical strength by providing for her. This child was now going to be primarily, primarily for God's purposes. Wow, like how do you do that? You see, the Israelite people had been promised long ago that they were going to be the people chosen by God to bring good things, hope, right, peace, justice to the whole world. And so an Israelite woman could join in the activity of God, right, bringing life to everybody by having a child. And what the culture had done is it had pushed Hannah to see her child as the primary source of her emotional and physical strength, right? Like for her. And how many people are emotionally scarred by the pressures and expectations from their parents? But Hannah resisted. She resisted making either Samuel her center or Elkanah, her husband, her center. She decided that her primary source of strength was going to come from joining in God's activity in the world. And so off, young Samuel went to the temple. Because Hannah had glimpsed how God reverses things, how God, he just makes a way where there seems to be no way, how God is constantly messing with our sense of causality. With the rich being brought low, the poor lifted high, and Vladimir Putin's days, they are counting down. What really messes with our sense of causality is that the kind of strength God gave Hannah? It came in the form of suffering and sacrifice, right? Like she suffered under Peninnah's scorn, and she then sacrificed her young son Samuel up to the Lord. But she was now free from the oppression of her culture, free to join in what God was doing in the world. Wow, that strength It comes from sacrifice. It comes from suffering. I mean, that's hard for me to even say, right? We got our last daughter leaving home next year. It's hard. But wait and see what Hannah is pointing us to. It's a game changer. Verse 8 of Hannah's prayer says this, talking about the power of God. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Now the word ash heap if you look at the original Hebrew it's where the garbage was burned and it was always uh, on outside the city walls and Jesus was led outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem to the garbage area where he was stripped naked and then he was crucified and it was a total disgrace a punishment for common criminals and because of this People said, well, I mean, this can't be the Messiah, right? This, like a naked man, nailed to some pieces of wood on a garbage dump, right? Like this can't be God's rescue plan. This can't be God's plan A. People couldn't see it. That Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah because they were looking at all the forefathers of the Messiah. They were looking at all the Old Testament heroes who were strong right, in a physical or a political or strategic sense. They were looking at Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Samson and King David. They are great men. But if you only look at them, it's easy to see why you wouldn't be very impressed with Jesus. You wouldn't be impressed with how he displayed strength. You only look at the forefathers and you will miss why Jesus is the Messiah why Jesus brings us a new kind of strength to face the challenges of everyday life. New York writer Tim Keller puts it like this. The problem is that they were looking at the forefathers of the Messiah and not the foremothers. They were looking at the men but not the women. God continually gave us a foretaste of his salvation and the work of Jesus in that he brought his salvation through rejected, destitute, and unwanted women. This is a reversal of the way the world is supposed to work. And ultimately, it wasn't the son of Hannah who brought about the game change. It would be the son of another woman, a woman who prayed a very similar prayer to Hannah's. My soul magnifies the Lord prayed young Mary as her son demonstrated strength by suffering brings life by dying, is a king by serving, wins by losing, and raises us up to sit on thrones by going to the ash heap. Hannah, she didn't know how God was going to use her suffering uh, to bring about life, but somehow she was able to trust God, that God is a God of reversals, of making a way where there seems to be no way, of messing, with our neat sense of causality in life. I'm incredibly linear. This is hard. What Hannah couldn't fully know, we can. Because we have lived through Good Friday and Easter. And if you're spiritually searching this morning, you're hearing about it for the first time today. You're hearing that we can trust a God who will take any of our suffering, any sacrifices we make, To be part of what God is doing in the world and that one glorious day God will turn that all into gold. Thank God. We can trust a God who promises the poor that one day they will be rich and warns the rich. Do not place your hope in your gold. We can trust a God whose love and devotion is worth even more than the best spouse worth even more than wonderful children. A God whose love went down to the ash heap and back for us. Hannah glimpsed the power of strength that comes from suffering and sacrifice. Young Mary gave birth to it. And Harriet Tubman, well, she lived it. Tubman, born into slavery in the American South in 1822, early in life suffered a... A traumatic brain injury when an angry slave master, is there any other kind, threw a heavy iron weight at another slave but hit Harriet instead. And she eventually escaped and, spurred on by visions she believed were from God, made 13 daring trips to rescue nearly 300 slaves and bring them to the north, uh, many of them on the Underground Railroad uh, to Canada. Do you know what they called her? Mother Moses. They called her Moses. She led us to freedom. Don't tell me that this enslaved woman, beaten, abused, and suffering narcolepsy, that she wasn't strong. She did keep a gun in her skirts while she led slaves through the dark uh, at night in the woods, but she knew that not by might would she prevail. Through sacrifice and suffering, Harriet was joining in the activity of God in the world. Here at St. Paul's, we believe that Jesus changes lives. That learning how to follow Jesus is the best way to change the world. And notice that I said, learning how to follow. These four qualities, the cardinal virtues that we all want for ourselves. We want them for our children. Wisdom, justice, self-control, fortitude, they don't just come naturally to us. We need to train ourselves and our children so these qualities can grow in us over a lifetime. After Thanksgiving, we're going to begin looking at a rhythm of life, five ancient practices to shape our lives here in downtown Toronto, practices that will help us learn How to follow Jesus, and how to become those wise, just, self-controlled, and strong people that are the kind of people that can make a difference in other people's lives. Right? The people in our homes, at our places of work. Jesus is the ultimate game changer. His death and resurrection make it possible for us to say that no matter our weakness, we're strong. No matter our shame, we are honored no matter our loss. One day we're going to gain it all. Thanks be to God. Amen.